Welcome to the South North Baptist Church podcast. This sermon was originally preached in our Why series in 2018 and explores why we give. Hope you're blessed, challenged, inspired by this message. Uh, the reading's taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 14. Generosity encouraged. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable, according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Thanks be to God. There is no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people, for I know your eagerness to help, and I have been boasting about it to the Macedonians, telling them that since last year you in Achaia were ready to give, and your enthusiasm has stirred most of them to action. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow, but that you may be ready, as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, 
and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is God's word. We're returning to our Why series, having paused last week for Harvest and hearing about the challenge of the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, we have a couple more weeks in this series left. So far we've covered some general areas that we would have in common with most Christians, why we read the Bible, why we sing, <coughs> why we pray, and then why we take bread and wine, and then we looked at some things that are more specific to how we do things here. Why we baptise believers, which leads me to say exploring baptism course starts on Tuesday this week. If you've not been baptised, do come along on Tuesday night. We spoke about why we have church membership. We've got an exploring membership evening coming up. Check it out in your bulletin. Today, we're doing another area that maybe not everyone is comfortable talking about, and that is money. Turn to your neighbour and tell them how much you earn and your current bank balance. No, don't. That would not be a comfortable conversation, would it? Because we're a bit weird about talking about money. How should we be? Why do we give? Why as Christians do we give? At almost every service, these strange felt bags come along. If anybody knows who invented the felt bag, tell me. And we take up what we call the offering. And beyond that, we encourage people to give directly via their bank account. Sometimes people say, oh, Pastor, you don't get much money in your church. Well, that's because people give it electronically, don't they? So you see people put it in the bags. And I know for some people there's been a perception that the church is after your money. Not necessarily this church. But if you ask people, they have this idea that the church is after your money. And there are some churches that don't want to talk about money, but you know there are churches that love to talk about money, don't you? And they're often on your God TV channels. So why do we give and what does it have to do with being a Christian? Four things, mainly from the passage 
uh, that we've read. Firstly this, giving is a response. Why do we give? It's a response to God. This is the foundation, the headline, if you want to change the metaphor. If we don't get this right, anything else I say doesn't matter. Giving is a response to God. The first reason we give is as worship to God. It's an overflow of all that God has given to us. He is the beginning and the centre of it all. Why do we love? It says in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. And so we give because he gave to us. We wouldn't have anything to give if God didn't give it to us first. King David says that. 2 Chronicles 29, 14. Everything comes from you and we only give what comes from your hand. Everything is from God in the first place. Our Bible readings that we heard from 2 Corinthians are Paul speaking about a specific offering, a particular appeal, we might say today, for the church in Jerusalem that had a famine. And in chapter 8, verse 1, in that first section, he's holding up another church, or another group of churches, the Macedonians, and saying, these are a great example. And he speaks of the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, of course, every church has been given grace because we know it's by grace we're saved. But Paul here is speaking of an appreciation that they had a particular grace based on all that God had done for them, that in spite of their own severe trial and their own difficult financial situation, their extreme poverty, it says, their joy welled up into rich generosity. One writer puts it like this, under an impulse which came from God himself, they gave money with reckless generosity. This, declares Paul, can only be a work of God's grace. We give because God gave to us, because of his grace at work in us. And not just we give because we've got something to give, we've got material things, but we give because we are blessed spiritually. Paul uses the example of Jesus. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. We don't sing that Christmas song anymore, do we? But thou who was rich beyond all splendour. Some of you old school church people will know this. All for love's sake became poor. Jesus gave it up. It, it echoes that passage in Philippians that we read earlier in the year when we were studying Philippians. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Though he was equal with God, he became nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. And so giving flows from that. It is, as it says in chapter 9, verse 13, an obedience which accompanies your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we were talking about why we sing, we said this, how can we not sing if we really grasp what Jesus has done for us? Why would we not sing his praise when we grasp how much God has given us? Our response is to give and to be generous because we want to be like God, don't we? 
We give as a response. We are not our own. We were bought with a price. So we give not just with words, but with our wallet and with our whole selves. It's an overflow. And when we do that, something amazing happens. Chapter 9, verse 12 that was read. It overflows in many expressions of thanks to God. When we respond to God because of his generosity to us by being generous, not only are needs met, which is great, but the gospel is proclaimed. Something happens. Tom White puts it like this. When Jesus, for the sake of all of us, became poor, we became rich. Now when people who follow him are ready to put their resources at his disposal, the world and the church may benefit. Not only from the actual money, but from the fact that when the Jesus pattern of dying and rising, of riches to poverty to riches, is acted out, the power of the gospel is that loose afresh in the world. And the result will be incalculable. Why do we give? Not because we feel guilty. That's why a lot of charities get us to give, isn't it? Let's be honest. If you ever watch Children in Need, Red Nose Day, it pulls on your heartstrings, and so it should. But most of the time, what moves us is guilt, isn't it? Because you're there having your takeaway, and you see a child that can't afford to eat, and we feel bad about it. And we should. But as Christians, that's not a good enough reason to give because we soon get over that. We don't give because there's a need. Because you can turn a blind eye to the need. If we give out of joy, out of the overflow of all that God has given us, that's the heart motivation for why we give. It's linked to our theme for the year, our theme to the year, for the year is rejoice in the Lord. If Jesus is our joy, if Jesus is our everything, we will be like the Macedonians. Out of that joy, we will give. For God loves a cheerful giver. Here comes the offering. Yes! <laughs> it's offering time. Wouldn't that be good if next week when I announce the offering, you're the cheer? Because it's the best part of the service. We don't always feel like that, do we? Let's be honest. It's an overflow. Jesus is our joy, our hope, our focus. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. It's the response. Everybody say response. Because it's a bit cold and wet and I need to know you're with me. Number two. With that as the foundation... There are other reasons we give that are kind of more practical, but unless we get that heart right, everything else I say will just be about guilt or duty. So we've got to get the heart right. Secondly, though, we give to support ministry. As I said, the passages we read in 2 Corinthians are about a specific appeal, and we'll be coming in a minute to think about giving to the poor. But there is a theme throughout the Bible about giving to support ministry. In the Old Testament, there are instructions about giving so that the Levites and the priests, the people that did the stuff in the temple and looked after God's people, there's instructions so they can live without having any income of their own. It was tied into the system of tithes and offerings in the Old Testament and the bringing of sacrifices. 
the priests and their families were allowed to eat the meat that was given for the sacrifices. Nobody else could eat that meat, but the priests and those who were serving in ministry were allowed to eat that meat. Now, we are not under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. We don't bring sacrifices and offerings in that way. I'm not going to be standing here slaughtering lambs, praise the Lord. Jesus is the final lamb that was slain. He is our hope. But in the first letter to Corinthians, Corinthians, put my teeth in, Paul makes it clear that there's a similar dynamic in the New Testament for those of us under the New Covenant. 1 Corinthians 9, which we almost had read by mistake, says this. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? Just what we've been saying from the book of the Viticus, Deuteronomy, those laws. And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. In the same way, the Lord has commanded those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. In other words, it's all right to pay the pastor and to pay the preacher. Those who preach the gospel should get their living from the gospel without having to worry about any other income. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes this, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of a double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. The worker deserves his wages. And we see in the life of Jesus, Jesus and his disciples were supported by others for their ministry, mainly rich women. Susanna and Joanna are mentioned particularly in uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 3. So our primary reason for giving is a response to God. God has given us so much, we are generous. We bless others with all that he has given us. But one of the primary beneficiaries, the primary focuses of our giving, is to the local church, to give to support ministry. Because there are lots of demands on our money, aren't there? But one of the primary focuses of our giving should be the local church. The way we organise church comes with costs, doesn't it? We turn the lights on, we put the heating on. There are costs to be paid, apart from the costs of the people of ministry. There are costs to run and maintain a building of administration to make sure we do things legally. And I sometimes say this during the offering time, but as a Baptist church, we are self-funding. We do not have money from a central pot. Everything we do in the life of this church is paid for by the giving of this church. And so, we give and we're grateful. Thank you so much for those of you that do give to support the life of this church so we can keep the lights on and can keep serving and blessing the neighbourhood. But if we have a vision for more, if we have a vision for South Norwood to be transformed by the love of Jesus and many, many more people to come to salvation, that requires resources. And so... We need to think about that. Are we content just to stay where we are? Or is God calling us to more? Which I believe he is. And so we need resources for that. It's part of belonging to the family that we give. Primarily, our first call to the church. Number three, 
to help the poor. Another reason we give, and again, we're not motivated by guilt, we're not motivated by command, we're motivated by love, we're motivated as a response to God. But the third reason we give is to help the poor. As I said, the passages we heard read today were about this collection full of poor who were suffering, the Christians in Jerusalem. And Paul is encouraging the non-Jews, the Gentiles, to give to help the Jews. It was a radical thing. And he wants to get the details right. And the bit we didn't read in between and the first part of chapter 9 are all about the details of how this collection is going to happen. Because if you're going to send money from here to somewhere else, you want to know it's actually going to get there and they're not going to spend it on McDonald's on the way or something. So he says, I'm sending Timothy and I'm appointing the right people who want everyone to be trustworthy so that the money actually ends up where it's needed. And that's what a lot of that is about. But the vision in all of this is that your plenty will supply their need so that there is equality. This service to the saints, he wants to be done well. And throughout the Bible, God's people are encouraged to help the poor in their own community and beyond. As Carol mentioned last week, there's a lot of instruction in that in the Old Testament law. And in Acts 4, we read something amazing about the first church. It says this, there was no needy person among them. Wow. There was no needy person among them. Isn't that staggering? That means they were willing to talk about money. Right? Because you only know that if people are willing to be honest. If you are in need, don't be proud. Thank you. Because we don't like to admit we've got a problem. We'd love to say of this church there's no needy persons among us. Wouldn't that be a story? But we give to the poor. As the church expands and grows in the book of Galatians, Paul is writing about a visit he had to Jerusalem. All the non-Jews were becoming Christians and there was tension and he was trying to work out what they needed to do. And the instruction he was given is this, remember the poor. All they asked is that we remember the poor. And he says, the very thing I was eager to do. And then later in Galatians, he writes this, Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who belong to the family of believers. As followers of Jesus, he gave up everything, became poor. We are to help those in need. And I think as a church, we do this well. I'm not saying we are perfect, but we do this. Look at that amazing harvest donations last week. As I say, I always think nobody's going to remember. And then you always come through. We got a good amount of money for the BMS appeal. We host a night shelter, the community kitchen. I think we are doing well at helping the pot. I'm not saying we can't do more. But I know many of you bless other people if you find out they're in need. I've been aware of that at least twice this year. People in the church in need getting envelopes passed to them. And I know many of you give to other organisations, missionaries, charities. As a church, 10% of our income goes to 
supporting mission agencies. And there is the danger of what they call compassion fatigue, isn't there? That we're not moved when we see poverty because we've seen it too much. Those of us that grew up with do they know it's Christmas and all of that. And we think, oh, here we go again, another appeal. We need to be careful to remember the poor. Why do we give? It's out of response to God. It's to support ministry. And it's to remember the poor. And the two things go together, of course, because if we're supporting the work of the church and the church is helping the poor, those things go together. Third, no, fourth. Everybody say fourth, because I can't count. Why do we give? Because it's a blessing. Chapter 9, verse 6. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Verse 11. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And what did Jesus say? Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, we need to be careful with this. Because this is where people abuse this doctrine. Because you hear often people say, give to my ministry, sow into it, and you'll be blessed. As if God wants us all to be rich. And so we need to be careful that we don't give because we want to get back. It's not like a slot machine, put the money in and ka-ching. Actually, what God gives us back is much more valuable eternally. We're storing for ourselves treasure in heaven where moth can't get it and rust can't destroy We are partaking in a divine economy. It's not about getting money back. It's about sowing for eternity. It's about being blessed to be a blessing. It is, as much as I like to receive, more blessed to give than receive. But don't be misled. We give out of response to God, out of grace, out of the overflowing joy. But it is a blessing to give. So giving is one of the things we do as Christians. It's a blessing and a privilege. We give to help and support. We give to the poor. We give to the church so that ministry might increase in God's kingdom may come. We give cheerfully. I have a few practical things. Are you still with me? Good. A few practical scriptural things about how we give. Number one, giving should be regular. In 1 Corinthians... Paul is also talking about this collection, this appeal. It's, it seems to be something that he's trying to work with them on. And he says, on the first day of the week, set aside a sum. Now, he may have said that because they met on the first day of the week, they were paid weekly, there might have been lots of reasons why he said that. But the principle seems to be regular giving. For you... Giving weekly might be great, giving monthly might be great. Depends how you're paid, it depends if you're working, it depends on your situation. I'm not trying to, again, it's not about guilt. It depends how you organise your money. These days we do a lot of things electronically, 
We don't necessarily carry cash. Uh, but the principle of regular giving is helpful. It's helpful to us as a church. Because if we know there's regular giving, we can budget and we can work out how to spend that money. It's great that people put money in when the bag comes round, but it's better if we know that there's an amount coming in. It helps us plan and budget. And it seems to be a biblical principle, regular giving. Because I know for myself, if I give on a whim, I'll forget. I've not been to the cash point, I've not got any money on me, so no, nothing goes in. And a few weeks later, nothing goes in. Oh, and then one day I might remember. But if you give regularly, and it's part of your budget, and it's part of your planning, of your money, then that helps you, and it helps us. And I think it's a biblical thing to do. We can help you give regularly, we can give you bank details to set up standing orders. If you're a UK taxpayer, you can give tax efficiently. Jan is our treasurer, she'll happily help you. Give us a wave, Jan. That's not in the Bible. (laughs) Number two, giving should be proportionate. Second question people often ask me is, how much should we give? Wrong question. How much should we keep? Because everything we have comes from God. I'm challenging myself today, don't worry. Paul says, set aside an amount in keeping with income. Give according to what he has and not what he does not have. Each of you should give what they have set in their hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Giving should be, according to the New Testament, according to what we're doing, proportional or proportionate. I don't know what the right English word is. Someone will correct me later. Proportionate but radical. What were the Macedonians praised for? They gave, even though they didn't have anything. They were generous. What was the widow called out for by Jesus? Because she gave all she had. Now, we don't know if it was all she had for that day, that week, that month but it was generous and radical. Notice what not is not in this passage or in any other New Testament passage. This is one of my hobby horses, I'm sorry for those of you that heard me say this before. What is not in this passage or any other New Testament passage? Tithing. There is nowhere in the New Testament you will find any instruction to give 10%. Amen. The New Testament principle is radical generosity. The reality is, though, if we all gave 10%, this church would have a lot more money, and so would most churches in this country. But there is no New Testament command to give 10%. You give a proportion, you give what you have set aside in your heart to give, and we give generously. If God has given to us generously, Maybe 10% is nowhere near enough. And maybe that's why it's not mentioned. In the book of Acts, they sold everything and brought it to the apostles' feet. They went absolutely serious about this following Jesus stuff. Number three. Giving is about more than money, but not less. As I said earlier, if you're having trouble financially, please tell someone I'm not trying to make anyone feel guilty. And giving is about everything. Our worship is about giving our whole selves to God. It's not just about money. We share in time, in resources, in lots of other ways. 
But don't use that. And again, I, I sometimes feel this temptation. We use that as an excuse for not giving money. I don't, I don't need to give too much money because I give all my time or I give all my... Don't use that as an excuse. Giving is about more than money, but it's not about less than money. So don't make an excuse. Giving should also be honest. It's not a point on the board. But giving should also... If there's one passage that terrifies me, it's Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 is about giving dishonestly. Because a couple called Ananias and Sapphira claimed to have given everything, but they didn't. And they paid the price for it. So, be honest, even with yourself, about how much you give. Don't try and deceive yourself, yet alone the Lord. Giving should be honest. Why do we give? We give as a response to God. Maybe today, maybe this week, you need to review what you do with your money, your giving. Next week we'll be talking about our thank offering. That's coming up. Maybe you need to pray about what God is calling us to give into our thank offering. God loves a cheerful giver. That is how we give. It's a response for all that God has given up. He was rich, yet for our sake became poor. Let's pray together.